I'm Gab. He's Jules. Gray skies over West London. Um, very much so down the road at Stamford Bridge. But we're going to focus on something else today, Jules, because we have a full show. We have Arsenal falling at Old Trafford against the mighty Manchester United. Mighty, mighty, yeah. uh, mighty three wins in a row. <laughs> and of course, but was one place to start. I'm going to start with the derby, the Madonina. I thought this was, in terms of entertainment, in terms of individual quality, Amazing. if you can overlook some of the defensive errors, yeah. I thought this was a cracking game and another big comeback win for Milan. I thought it was awesome, I have to be honest. It was the first really big blockbuster match that we had, you know, through Europe. We, we didn't really have yet a, a big clash in in England, although maybe the Chelsea Spurs, but not to this magnitude. But Liverpool, Man United now. The Liverpool-Man yeah. United, I guess, was a big one. Yeah. But that was Monday night. It felt a bit different. I don't know. Yeah. This one felt a bit, okay, Saturday, where all the big right. teams were playing because it's Champions League week. We're like, okay, let's let's sit and watch. And, and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was amazing from start to finish. I really wish that Inter had managed, up after they, they, they were 1-0 up, managed the game a little bit better. Not the Hakan Chanoglu crazy pass that then led to, to the first Leao goal to see what would have happened. Had Milan been a bit under more pressure because they didn't come back so quickly. But I thought it was an incredible match. Yeah, it was. I I, I thought it was it was a tremendous game. I thought you know we can we can focus on the on the defensive mistakes and mm-hmm. obviously there were defensive mistakes, but I think also we have to come get around to the idea that there's kind of a new mindset in Serie A and has been for some time, yeah. which is everywhere except for in with Max Allegri in Turin, which is we're going to we'll make allowances for some of those errors. Because we want to be front foot, because we want to create more shots. Uh, the way Inter set up in this game, I actually thought, you know, the logical thing would have, with no Romelu Lukaku, logical mm-hmm. thing would have been put Jekyll in there, um, you know, long balls to him, let him lay it off for Lautaro. In some ways, that would have made sense. Instead, he went for Correa, effectively, yeah. Correa and Shalanoglu behind Lautaro. He did this because he wanted to dominate the game. Mm. He wasn't able to dominate possession in the game, and that's a credit to Milan. Uh, I know you love your individual quality, and I know we're going to get to Rafael Leal, but I want to mention Mike Magnan because yeah. in the end, you know, while Milan are celebrating, blah blah blah, Mike Magnan came up huge again in this game. Yeah, again, three days of yeah, three days after saving a pen, obviously, and Sassuolo and getting a point in a way. Uh, he did it again where I thought he was. Outstanding, especially in the last 20 minutes when Milan were really under pressure, where Inter, after Jekyll came on uh, and they came back to 3 2, they easily could have scored a third. And, and who knows what would have happened at 3 3 with 10 or 15 minutes to go. But he was, he was outstanding. He, I don't think I've ever seen him that strong. He's in the best form of his life. And that's a credit to him, but also all the work that he did and the level that he reached since joining Milan. Let's talk about Rafael Leal, because clearly, in terms of eye candy, highlight reel. Mm. This guy was absolutely special. Special, two goals, one assist. I mean, the the second goal, we were saying it before the show, for me, is George Weah-esque. The way he does that little hook with the inside of his right foot to go onto his left and then start accelerating to finish the way he did. looks so much like what George Weah used to do when he was playing. They, they, they have got so many similarities. And I still don't know if coming off the, the left is his best position or if you put him as a centre forward, which... We've seen him playing sometimes. It's better for him, and he's still so young that he will have time, and managers will have time to figure it out. But he's so so. Good. The knock on him is that people say, "Oh, he doesn't score enough to be center forward." Well, yeah, he doesn't play center exactly. forward. Exactly. Let's see. So yeah, he sees less of the ball. I'm so curious to see what our boy Fernando Santos does at the World mm. Cup. Does he find room uh, for him with Portugal? Yeah. Uh, a word on on Milan as well, because. 
Tamori and Kalulu have been such a big part of Milan's success defensively. Um, they were at fault in the first goal. Mm. I, I, well, we say they were at fault. I think the real fault is the Ketelaire who doesn't who doesn't track yeah. Braza's run. Um, but they've really taken Milan to another level. And again, I, I can't talk about how in Italy we have all these preconceptions. Oh no, young defenders are too young. Foreign defenders, uh, blah blah blah. These two guys come in and they show that they can easily handle it. Yeah, amazing. I was a bit disappointed by the second goal. I think Tomori is, is half a second late on Jeko, where you could clearly see the Jeko, the move towards the near post that Tomori should have followed even, even quicker. And I think then he could block the shot from Jeko. Instead, he just deflects it kind of thing. But, but I think they were amazing. And I, I was, I'm just in love with Kalulu. We said it before. I think, I don't know if Deschamps will call him in the next international break in September and then for the World Cup or if might, that might come too early because of the competition in, in his position. But sooner rather than later, he'll be in the national right. team. We'll get to Inter's some of their issues in a second, but um, I wanted to touch upon, I want to continue with Al first because obviously he was at Lille, he was part of the Lille yeah. conveyor belt. He got a lot of hype. I have to say, like, I remember going to watch a game at Paris Saint-Germain uh, against Lille couple of years ago when he was still there and mm. and it was um all the hype was about Pepe not Leal yeah, yeah, yeah and you know I was like eh I don't see it of course I was entirely wrong was was he did he get that much hype when he was there Luis Campos always said when he brought him in from sporting that he's the the Portuguese Mbappe this is this is the similar players a way bit. not to put pressure on somebody. I know, I know. Like, like, hey, you know. Well, um, you've been better than George Weah, so, you know. Yeah, true. But now, now it's a bit... Now, I think now the comparison, whoever you wants to compare him with or who he reminds you of, he could, for me, George Weah, but for you, it could be someone else, is different than when he was 18 or 17 yeah. when he arrived, you know. And, um, and obviously, they got him on a free, which is still not really resolved. All that issue about should Lille have paid sporting, etc., but it was pretty clear that he had, in terms of athleticism and the technical ability, all of that, all everything to, to clearly be a very good player. The rest was like, okay, how strong mentally is he to make the step up with the discipline on the pitch, off the pitch, and you know, work hard and everything? Because we've seen also those talents before, just relying a little bit on the talent and not enough maybe yeah. on the, the hard work kind of thing. But and the move to Milan, I remember a few people saying, hmm, "Is this move a bit dodgy because Milan paying 30 million for for him after one season in France, where he hasn't really, like you said, like you saw, we all saw it, where okay, we see the talent, but it doesn't really materialize in anything yet." And I just think Pioli deserves so much credit and his and his team for taking Leao, which was really like a, an unpolished diamond to Milan and say, okay, this is how we're going to work. This is what we're going to make you do. And I think this is where you see the quality of a manager. We can say everything about, okay, win trophies and be successful of that. But maybe the best quality of a manager is to make those, take, take a player like Leao and take it to the next level, making him improve. And I think Pioli has done that so, so well. I mean, the player he's now, compared to where he was in France, is unrecognizable almost. So he's entering the last two years of his contract, so he's going to have to renew his deal. Yeah. And this probably part of the reason why he was linked to Chelsea, if you remember, mm -hmm. late in the window. Um, some enormous amount of money. I don't know how real it was. Again, I would hope that if Chelsea work out that they need layout, they would start getting the ball 
rolling sooner. You, you, you know, this isn't Aubameyang who's been on sale all summer, yeah, yeah. who they ended up with, where you could just knock on the door on the last day. Here, you want Leal, you need to get the ball rolling sooner. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're, they were talking 100 million, north of 100 million there. The thing with him is, if he gets a new deal, um, it's going to push at the top of what Milan's salary limits. Have yeah, been, that's the thing. Have so been what do you do now? Th thus far, right? Yeah. So th there is a sense that Milan might be willing to do business next summer if they can't extend that deal. But would they want to extend this? Well, it's interesting because, of course, Milan have new owners now. Obviously, Redbird's yeah, taken true. over. Um, Jerry Cardinale uh, was at his first game. He was so happy. Um, for me, this is different. This is different, too, from the Gigi Donnarumma deal. Obviously, because the reason I bring this up with Milan, it's Milan have obviously, they've done this before, right? Frank Kessie, Gigi Donnarumma, the two, and Shalanoglu. Yeah. Three cases where Milan said, now, we think you're worth this. If you don't like it, you know, hit the road, right? I think if they went back, would they change their minds over those three things? I would argue they've certainly on Donnarumma, I think the answer would be no, because if they had kept Donnarumma at those figures, obviously not Mino, but Mino's yeah, yeah. people, you know, his agents would then be talking about, oh, time to extend again. And they got Mike Mignan, who's phenomenal. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to say he's better than Donnarumma, but some people certainly would say that. Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, they're comparable. Kessie, we'll see how it how it turns out. Shalanoglu, yeah. um, you can say, oh, but, you know, Inter, he moved to Inter and was a success at Inter. Yeah, maybe, but in the end, Milan won the title without Shalanoglu. Yeah, yeah. So I, there's going to be a strong pressure to keep that line. I think they have to get their sums right and not be afraid to take a hard line on this and say, all right, we're going to pay this much. But complicating the whole thing, as you know, and we've spoken about this before, Rafael Leal... <laughs> for some crazy reason, personally, well, I'll get to the reason, personally owes something like, was it 16, 19 yeah, million euros? Yeah, 20, let's say 20. 20 yeah. million, just sporting Lisbon. And this is because, this is, what, four years ago, five years ago, something like yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, there, was, there was an issue at Sporting Lisbon where a bunch of fans came into the, um, came into the, the, uh, the, the club's training ground, confronted the players, beat up the players, a whole some bunch of, them, of players, yeah. Uh, and then the players use that as an opportunity to Break become contract. free agents, yeah. right? Yeah. Which they're allowed to do. A lot of Rui Patricio, a lot of them did. Many, yeah. Bastos. Yeah. Um, and so then they ended up, so he ended up moving to uh, to Lille on a free. Now Sporting Lisbon says, well, we need compensation for this because he's worth mm. X amount of money. It's fair enough, perhaps. Yeah. But the question is, who pays that compensation? Yeah. Right now, it's on Lau personally. I'm pretty sure Lau does not have 20 million euros. <laughs> um, not yet, anyway. So... You have to monitor that and accept that at some point down the road, yeah. Milan and Lille yeah. will probably have to compensate Sporting. Yeah, uh, well, you think so. Although Lille, the point that Lille are making right now is like, hang on, how come he's been allowed to be registered for us then when we got him on a free so that we, you know, we send his registration that was accepted by FIFA, UEFA, the French League, anybody well, you want. And no one, you know, no one said, well... Let's well, wait until we resolve the problem with sporting. Because there's due process, right? Yeah. So they don't want to penalize a player. So they say, all right, player, you can play. Uh, we've made this ruling, but obviously there's appeals. There's, there is a due legal process that continues. The alternative would be like, Rafael Lau, you can't play for three years until we resolve this issue. True. Which wouldn't have been good for anybody. Berlin also said we were allowed to get him on a free. Otherwise, you know, so that, 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 yeah, that, no, that no. is what they're going to build towards. But I think... and and. 
I think Lille knew exactly that there was there was a, a, a risk or a danger that this would come up, and I think rightly so. So, and same with Milan when they bought him for thirty, should have known, would have known that there was this hanging around that at some point no, no, would of course come they back. Knew. So, of course they knew. If if, they... if in the end Sporting get ten million and Lille pay five and Milan pay five. Uh, or maybe Lille, in a, in a way, Lille should should pay all, really, because it's got nothing to do with Milan. Milan paid 30 million for him to Lille. It's Lille who got him on a free, where really he was he was not a free transfer. These things end up. We saw there was a similar case with Adrian Mutu years ago. Mm, true. Um, these things end up resolving themselves in the players uh, in the players' favor. But of course, you know, Sporting, I think, also have a point. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think definitely. some agents really took advantage of that yeah. of that situation. A word on Inter, um, that defense, which was so rock solid in the past, mm. really had a rough ride in this game. Do you blame the defense? Do you blame the midfield? Um, it's, a, it's a good, I think it's a good debate. I blame a bit of both. And I also blame Inzaghi in a way, but not in a bad way. I, I like the fact that they're more expensive than under Conte and they were so solid defensively Conte because they played 20 yards deeper than, than they do now. So obviously you expose your defense a bit more. But I, I, on Saturday, I didn't think the, the Bastoni, Skriniar, the Vrij trio looked very solid and the serenity was there. They made mistakes. The positioning, when they know each other so well, yeah. felt a bit like, what's going on here? And again, the way I, they always call the second, I mean, even the Giroud goal, I'm like... The Giroud goal, they all seem to freeze. Yeah. I think though that's, because they don't expect that pass from out. Yeah, true. I maybe. mean, that just totally. And also the but finish still. from Giroud, if you look at it, it's not a clean, it doesn't. It's not, he hits his standing leg. But he hits it, he, he still manages to get all this power off it, which is weird. Uh, it's not, you know, and, and I think that kind of, that befuddled them a little bit. But I do wonder if Skenia, with the move to PSG that didn't happen, that he wanted it to happen. I mean, he's out of contract in, in, next summer. Maybe he's playing a little bit on his mind. I don't think they've only kept one. I think there's only one game they don't concede so far this yeah. season in there's, five. If I run kind, I'd say they're also playing in front of Handanovic, but that's a whole other sure, issue. Sure. Um, I want to wrap this by saying Inter have added a body at the back. Uh, they brought yeah. in they brought in Acerbi. This story with Acerbi, it's it's such a weird story. It's a weirdly Italian story, um, but I think it's a tremendous story. Acerbi, of course, Italian international defender. He's now 33, but, you know, he can do a job for yeah, you. Experience. Um, he's very, he's very active on, on social media, involved in a whole bunch of, of social causes. Some people say that part of that is part of the reason why the Lazio fans never quite or ultimately turned on him, that yeah. he was a little bit too social justice oriented. Uh, yeah. I think that might be unkind. The Inter fans don't like him because, oh, by the way, he's also a man who's who's beaten cancer as well, yeah. we, should, we should point out. Um, Inter fans, a lot of the ultras don't want him, partly because Inter's ultras, or some of the ultras groups are twinned with Lazio ultras, um, but they also don't like him because he's not just a former Milan player, but he's a self-described Milan fan. And when Lazio played Milan last year in, in the game that ultimately gave Milan the title, you see him smiling after Lazio yeah. concede. I, I think this is totally unfair on him. I think he's a good signing to add depth to. You know, a back line where you get beyond that three. You've yeah, got, you've got Di Marco you know, and that's it. Yeah. Danilo D'Ambrosio, yeah, who's maybe, more, yeah. you know, but he's a different profile defender. Di Marco, perhaps more of a wing back. Mm. We saw the, the impact he had when he came on. Yeah. One of the arguments against Inzaghi is he should have made those changes sooner, perhaps. Yeah, or not even start Damian. Yeah, or 
be more aggressive yeah. with with Di Marco. So I I'm on Team Acerbi. I will come out and say that's good. Does I like that. I like that. I think at, at his age, I want to have seen him go another go, and uh, I, I think he deserves he deserves another shot. But it shows you the power of the fans. Yeah, of course. Lazio were ready to let him go in a free. He basically spent like three weeks in in Milan, uh, wait as the as a transfer window counted down. They weren't negotiating; they had a deal in place, but it was just because Stephen Jang, the inter, inter president, hesitated on yeah. giving the green light. And I think, in part, because of the reaction from the fans. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After five straight wins to start the season, Arsenal no longer perfect. No. I thought this was a game that they could have won. I thought it was a yeah. game they should have won. Instead, they go to Old Trafford and they lose 3-1 to Manchester United. Uh, Jules, I think I'm neutral here. I thought they played well. They played really well. And I thought that it was individual mistakes. Yeah. And... I think if you're Arteta, you can go back and second-guess yourself, like that weirdo triple substitution. But you say onwards and upwards. Yeah, I think there's a lot of positives. Still, it's a defeat. It's never nice, of course. But I think they showed a bit of naivety, which they they should learn a lot from. And I really hope they do from Arteta to the players. Learn learn a lot from what happened at 1-1. You come back into the game and then we were naive, I think, to try to go so quickly to get the second one. And you... You know, there's a lot of body forwards and then you have the high line. But if your counter press is not as efficient as it was before, if not very aggressive enough, then you end up your high line being completely exposed. And then that's the ball from Ericsson to Bruno to Rashford. And then the one from Dalot to Ericsson to Rashford again. And that's the goal you should not be considered when you go away to Old Trafford and you just come back to 1-1. However, credit to United because they they were ruthless in the way they took those opportunities really well. That 2-1, Ericsson, Bruno to Rashford, it's just all vertical. I, that was I, I, th- I thought that was pretty incredible. I mean, that is the manual of counterattacking football. And True, but you- Odegaard is half a se- is, is a second late on Ericsson because that counterpress is not efficient enough. Maybe because he's tired. Maybe because because he doesn't expect Ericsson to play one touch like that. But but it's helped by the fact that Arsenal's counterpress and high line is helping United in that sense. All right. We saw a, a counterattacking United in this game for the yeah. time. All three wins, I think. They didn't have the bulk of the possession uh, and were basically counterattacking, yep. which is not the Ten Hag thing. We'll get into that a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah, later. Yeah, but yeah. Ars- do Arsenal fans have a point to be angry about the disallowed Martinelli goal? Because that goal goes in, they take the lead. Then at that point, United can't play counterattacking football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's a foul. I think it's a soft foul. 
And but I think I th- I can see why he gives Odegaard it. and Christian Eriksen. Yeah. So, so you would have disallowed the goal. I think I think that was the right decision in the end. I so Portieri is really close to so he sees it like I see you here. Yeah. Let it go because clearly for him there's not enough contact to give the foul. Then it's a goal, and then it takes four minutes to watch it on super slow motion to see. And that's where I've got a bit of an issue with. But I think it's a foul. Even if it's soft, it's a foul. And I think he was right in a way to disallow the ground. I, I don't even think it was a soft foul. I thought it was a foul. I don't understand why it took four minutes to go and decide because that. Because he wasn't sure. Otherwise, but, but, you go, yeah, you see, but, 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 okay, this, I made a mistake. This is what then, gets me about here. But I don't think Paul Tierney so far hasn't shown me that he's a great referee, even though he's, he's been not. moved up very quickly because of everybody retiring. But I, to me, you have, you have your hands, you have both hands on him. And you, 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 you go in from behind, you know, people say, oh, it's a physical game. No, it's never, but it's never been a physical game, even, you know, back in the day mm. of somebody coming in from behind like that. Shoulder to shoulder, yes. This is different. Not only does he barge him, he also, he, he also makes contact w- 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 with his foot. That, that's a foul every okay, day of the week. If you want to then debate that he should have called it straight away and there was too much time between that and the goal, but there wasn't that much time between them and the goal. My only issue here is that it took Tierney four minutes. I don't know what the heck he was looking at to go and make that decision. Um, that's just how I saw it. Yeah, what did you yeah. make of Anthony's, Anthony's debut? I mean, the goal is a dream debut. I, I uh, thought, what about when he's got the two guys around him early yeah. on? Little back, I like, you know? I like, but you know that that's what he does. Um, I I thought Ramsdale sort of helped him a little bit on the goal because he, you could see the angle and he's going to play there. He hasn't played for three weeks, hardly trained with United and not much with Ajax leading to the move. So he looked he looked a bit short of match fitness, you could tell, and maybe he would not would not go 1v1 as much because of that short of match fitness and short of fitness full stop. And that's why you also, also played just an hour. But I think you played him um, to, 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 you know, to get that goal. The defending is atrocious for Arsenal on that goal. I mean, there's four of them around Rashford. No. It, it should not happen. But well done to Anthony for taking it. And that would bring him a lot of confidence. Although I, th- I think the mistake with the defending on the goal was made before because Zinchenko has no yeah, choice Gabriel. but to come in. Yeah, but yeah. Gab- Gabriel, um, Gabriel comes out like, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was a huge hole for Ten Hag. I'll say this about Ten Hag. I don't know how good or bad he can be, but he's brave. Mm. And it's not just Cristiano Ronaldo now, obviously, four games on the bench. I think it's the longest stretch of his career. But like you said, did Anthony's had, what, two training sessions with yeah. the team yeah. to go and just chuck him in there, yeah. knowing he's a bit of a hothead, a bit, a, a bit of a showboat. It can go really badly wrong for him. Yeah. But he trusts him. He trusts himself. He's brave. Um, and I think it's good. I think it's it's a little bit of that of that swagger at United, that kind of bravery that Ten Hag has brought. Eric Ten Hag's been brought in, presumably, to play the football he played at Ajax, right? Which mm-hmm. is heavy on possession, heavy on the pressing, and so on. Um, they might have tried to do that in the first two games. They did, they yeah. Lost. Um, last three games, the ones they've actually won, um, it's been a completely different type of football. Yeah, it has. And I know I'm not saying this isn't like, oh, they've been negative. Although you know, late in the game, we saw Harry Maguire make an appearance. Yeah, yeah of and course. Yeah. It's more the idea that I think he looked at this and says, like, I need points. I want to play to these strengths right now. So I know that I can go with a deep vertical ball because Ericsson yeah. and Bruno can both pass a little bit. Uh, I know I've got these these fast forwards who can get behind the opposing defenses. 
Um, that's fine for a while. But is there an alternate scenario where the Martinelli goal stands? And then what happens? Yeah, because they took the lead against Liverpool. They took the lead, obviously, at Leicester, which was a very bad... It was in a very average performance from United, but they took the lead with and verticality again. And then and then defended really well. And Southampton, they took the lead as well and then kept that lead. And there was not much more after taking the lead anyway. So This is not how he wants to play. No, 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 no. But maybe he was a bit naive then at the start of the season for thinking, OK, Brighton at home, let's build up from the back. Let's not play long. Let's let's try the, all that movement, all the things that we worked on in preseason that we saw in friendlies worked really well at times and looked quite promising at times. And he thought, okay, let's do the same. And against Brentford, and then they were caught. Even someone like Ericsson was not comfortable doing it at Brentford, and you know was was terrible in that first half. And then he thought, okay, this is too early then maybe to do that style. We can work on it, although with games every three days and then the World Cup, I don't know where he's going to work on it, but it doesn't matter. Let's go different. Let's go more direct, like we saw against Liverpool, like we saw in a way against Arsenal, 40% of the ball at Old Trafford. And yet those... Those counter attacking, those counter attacks were 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 really good, but I, I, this is where I think he deserves a lot of credit for. Like, okay, let's maybe others would have, you know, maybe dogmatic coach like he is really. Let's be honest here, would have gone like, no, 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 this is my way, and we're gonna keep at it, and we might lose another game or two, but we're gonna improve and or more pragmatism, which I didn't think that was him really, of like, okay, let's change it to get some points now and then see where we are. He has surprised us. And then and maybe we, we we underestimated that side of it. Again, I don't I think this is all just temporary stuff. I don't think you can play this way. I don't think you can get results no. consistently this way. Certainly not with this group of players. But it's worked in these ones. He did what he had to do. I think it was those those were the he made the right calls on the matchups. I think we have to give him credit for that. Yeah. And one other aspect too, which I think goes unremarked a little bit, is Diogo Dalla, you know, obviously came over with Jose Mourinho, kind of a peripheral figure, went on loan. You know, nobody's like, whoa, it's Diogo Dalla, right? You can't even get you can't even get in the head of, of, of Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Hmm. But now in the system, he fits. He's a player. McTominay, I know there is a, there's a portion of United fans who will always love McTominay because, oh, he's homegrown, blah, 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 British deal, yada, yada, yada. And there's others who just see a guy who, you know, runs around kicking yeah, people. Yeah, like and, me. You know, like you. <laughs> there you go. But he's playing. Casemiro, not starting. Three straight games. Yeah. Out of, which, out of the lineup. Yeah. And Rashford, another one, right? Last season, Rashford on the bench, lost his way. Really, hasn't really performed in a couple of years. You know, in a contract year, I'm not saying Rashford was perfect in this game, but he made the right no. runs at the right time. Uh, maybe a bit, a bit lucky with one of the finishes that was yeah. deflected. But, you know, obviously had, had the pass for, for Anthony's goal. Yeah. This is a big performance from Rashford. It is. It do, is. Do we give credit for Ten Hag there a little bit on the psychology of must getting have, these yeah. guys going again? Yeah, he must have. Although, you know, I think if Marcel had been fit, which which he wasn't, so this is not really a debate. But I think Marcel, Marcel, yeah. No, no, no. But Marcel would have started up front and Rashford are wide on the right probably and Sancho on the left which I still don't know what's... And the 100 million euro man out? No, no, that was before Anthony, oh, I mean right, start right, the season, right, you know, right, start right, the right. season uh, and I don't know what would have happened and I, I don't even know what was Marcus's best position if he prefers playing centrally on his own like this or wide I don't know but I liked, I liked him a lot in that game because if you can play on the counter like that he's, he's so good uh, and yeah, he needs to improve in the link of play 
and be more available to receive the ball and and have the big center backs behind him and hold it up but i think he can he can do it i just i just don't know if if ten hag at the start of the season thought okay rashford would be my go out guy to play in that position and would be so successful but now they're playing well it would be a different like you said the next game would be very different unless again they score early and have that lead and then can play on the counter which is not going to happen every week well, and I think you have another issue too, obviously, in terms of, for lack of a better word, passing midfielders. You've got Ericsson, you've got Bruno Fernandes, and then I believe that's it. I mean, you don't put Fred in the same class as, no. as those two. So you will necessarily have to come up. With- Ericsson started every game, played every game. I think at his age, there might be a point where he needs a bit of a rest too. You, know? you would think so. He's really run himself into the ground. Uh, talking about Arsenal. I thought Arteta got a lot of things, a lot of things right. I love the way they came out at the start of the second half, all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. I think really that's where, you know, they they got the equalizer, but I thought that's where they could have added to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't understand the triple substitution with 15 minutes to go. Did you? I guess you change something and you but take off your good players for Eddie and Ketia and like. Your... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. I was a bit surprised, but. But I guess he wanted to try something different. I don't know. It was, yeah, it's, it's one of those, you know, I love my substitutions. And then <laughs> when it doesn't work out, it's a bit like, maybe not not the most inspired on that one. It, it also felt to me like at that stage, you've got so many attacking players on the pitch. You know what he's going to do. He's going to, you know, put on Maguire and they're just going to sit further back. Yeah. And then it's just more congestion. Um, and unless Odegaard had a knock, I, I, look, Odegaard didn't. Well, he, was, he was doubtful before the game. And I think it was it was doubtful before the game for a, a knock that okay. he picked up. And I think when you see the second goal and Odegaard being a little bit late on Ericsson at the start of the counter press, which then 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 everything is delayed in a way because then Bruno has an extra second and then Rashford and the etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe he thought, okay, I need someone, but Fabio Vieira, who'd never played, to throw him in, in a game like this. And then I don't want to blame him for the third goal, but he's kind of marking Ericsson and then and then kind of stops. But I thought it was really brave, talking about bravery for Anthony, for, for Arteta to put Vieira in for a game like that for the last 15 minutes, is considering he'd never played at all in the Premier League before. Well, neither had, had Anthony. Game. The difference is Anthony scored 100 million, it cost 100 million, and he'd, he'd had two training sessions, and Fabio Vieira joined the club like a month ago. So I know he's been injured, but... Yeah, yeah, no, no, but like, I, I don't know if it's the best of ideas to prove Yera for the last 15 minutes in no. a game like this when he hasn't played a second before and you two went down. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also... Right. In Arteta's defense, too, we should also point out and contractually obliged to do this is Thomas Partey wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, there was Mohamed there. I do think a little bit... And well, you know my thoughts Zinchenko on Zinchenko was injured as well before the game, so... Um, that that thing that they do with Zinchenko coming inside and Shaka shading left to cover that space that that works really well. That that is one of the ah, innovations. I love that too. Yeah. That yeah. when Zinchenko's there, um, I I, I kind of like a word on Gabriel Jesus because so I, I watched all the late night shows. I was up very late last night, and the number of people who are pointing out that you know situations where Arsenal were in transition and somebody's there for a cross. But look, Gabriel Jesus isn't in the box. Hmm. It kind of started really annoying me. And as you know, <laughs> as you know, I was the first to say, look, this guy's not really a genuine center forward. I trust yeah. Pep's judgment, blah, 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 right? He's not a genuine center forward. But it doesn't mean that the only way to play center forward 
is sitting in the six-yard box the entire game mm. waiting for crosses to come in, especially when you're a little guy like Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. I actually thought he had a very good game. Me too. And I don't think... I don't understand this the, 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 this criticism. If you want to, do you have to attack differently, especially if he's the one going out on the wing, getting the ball? Of course. And you have to have runners or whatever. Yeah. But to all of a sudden discover this issue that Gabriel Jesus is not a traditional center forward, to me, is silly. Yeah, it is a bit. And I thought he gave a really tough time to Lissandro Martinez because he chases everything, because he's he uses his body so well. This is where he's really good at. Uh, and and I think that criticism is is really unfair on him. His run for the Saka goal is magnificent to identify the space and going for it. I mean, the ball from from Odegaard when he shifts the ball from his inside left to the inside right is is great as well. And then yeah, they get a bit lucky, but still, all that move was fantastic. Yeah. And I think he brings so much that you you know you could you could forgive him to not always be in the six yard box when there's a cross. I my I'm just, just to be clear, that's not I'm, his not, game. I'm not backtracking on this. My sense that I'm not sure this is a signing I would have made, given how much it costs, given the wages and whatever. Uh, because I think I think Arsenal, with the players around him, we're better off with a re, with a traditional center forward. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that remains. Um, but I just thought in this game, once you have him, you have to yeah, play yeah. to his strengths, yeah, and that yeah. is movement. And I thought he did that. I thought he did that really, really yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. Um, this isn't going to have any. I mean, again, I looking at their fixtures, it's all pretty downhill until the North London derby in early October. Yeah, Arsenal are going to recover. Yeah, yeah, I they think so because confident. there's so much positive to that. And again, for me, this is part of it's a learning curve. This is a young, t- it's a young team for Saliba to go there. Even Gabriel, they made mistakes. They've been a bit naive in midfield as well. Uh, they should learn from it. And if they do, they come back stronger. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough United. How about some quick hits instead? Yes. And by the way, notice we didn't even dwell on Cristiano Ronaldo in the previous no, segment. Exactly. There you go. Let's go, guys. Uh, Barcelona piled a misery on Sevilla, winning 3-0 away. Jules, after a rocky start, they're clicking nicely. Yeah, you're right. Rocky start the first 15 minutes, maybe, and Sevilla had a, b- a big chance then. But after that, it was all Barcelona being away, by the way, at Sevilla and playing some really good football. Could have scored easily more goals. I think the expected goals in the end is like 4.5 or something crazy. So well done to them, to Xavi. There will be bigger tests ahead because Sevilla are dreadful right now. But it was a really good win for them. I, I was really impressed in those first 15, 20 minutes. Sevilla back to the wall, you know, the fans unhappy, whatever. Sevilla went at them yeah. like, you know, hammer and tongs. And I think 
were so used to Barcelona being open that they would have really suffered there. But instead, they were patient. They were. Weathered that storm and took it to them. Well yeah, done. That's true. And great Kunde as well, by the way. In that game, and sticking with Barca, Gab, Xavi got his deadline there. Reinforcement, Marcos Alonso and Hector Bellerin all arrived. You happy with that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge bearing guy. I mean, I really like him as a person, yeah. as a footballer. Yeah. Um, but it was thing. good at Betis. Kunde can play right back. Um, Marcos Alonso is just different. He gives you something completely different to, to what Balde does and Jordi Alba does. If you want to use them, set pieces, certain situations, why not? Yeah. If you're doing this, let's you know create a big Catalan boys club. Yeah, probably not Not how I would have spent my money. No. Manchester City are held to a 1-1 draw at Aston Villa. Otherwise, they'd be top. Jules, regret for Pep. I mean, regrets because I mean the first half was dire. Uh, the second half was better. They had the chances to win it. He would be disappointed by the way they considered that Bailey goal, really, on transition like that. And I think he's right to be disappointed. But they've also played a lot. It's not too bad on the, on the table, for example. You're still unbeaten. And you can focus to the Champions League now. And Haaland scored again. All of that. He's up to double figures. Double figures already. And it's I early mean, September. It's incredible. Both teams had chances to score, but it finishes nil-nil. Gabby in the Merseyside derby between Everton and Liverpool. It's Jurgen Klopp's worst start since coming to Anfield those seven years ago. But hey, they did sign Arthur on deadline day. <laughs> yeah, so look, I think, ah. you know, this game could have gone either way. Obviously, the Connor Cody hey. decision late on, I think it was a correct decision, yeah. but so close. Who knows? Everton also hit the woodwork. Yeah, Pickford and Allison were, were great. But right now, there's issues in the middle of the park. And that's why Archer is there. You know, Fabio Carvalho played a half and then came off. Uh, they just have so many injuries. They need bodies. And they said this. Look, worst case scenario, Archer goes, eats up some middle. Some He's another body. He's a live body in midfield. Yeah. Best case scenario, he turns into the player that we thought he was going to be. Mm. I don't think you hold your breath on that one. but. Yeah. It is something I think that should have been addressed and they need to get Henderson and Chago back. Bayern Munich drop points again, held a 1-1 draw by Union Berlin, much yeah. to producer Freddy's delight. Jules, Nagelsmann says the energy levels aren't where they should be. Is he right? I think he's right, but I mean, this is also the kind of football that he wants them to play. So the fitness will have to be at the top. They they had, they created less chances than they usually have done so yeah, far. But still this a season. ton more than Still a ton more. And they could have easily won that game again. I think they play another nine times and they, they will win the and nine the times. Goalkeeper, right now, not quite Jan Zomer, but not far off. Not it. far off, you're right. Uh, but Upamecano with another mistake. I don't know if he's going to play in the Champions League against Inter, for example, but that almost, that almost cost them. Uh, and. And, and yeah, not taking the chances. I'm not too worried about the energy and the fitness, to be fair. I'm more worried about the lack of clinicality that maybe they should have and they, they didn't have now in the, the, the Gladbach game and the Union game. I'm worried by the lack of Muller. Yeah, on the bench. I guess, yeah. Real Madrid returned to the Bernabeu after three and a half months and beat Betis, who have been perfect so far uh, in the season. Gab, your thoughts about the game? So I think a lot of things broke Real Madrid's game in this way. The fact that, obviously, you know, Betis without William Carvalho. Yeah. Um, they lose Nabi Fakir, who's, you know, their one, I mean, not their only difference maker, but clearly yeah, their yeah. most talented yeah. player exactly. after 10 yeah. minutes. That helps. But Real Madrid played better than Betis. Let's be very clear yeah. uh, about this. What I liked here is is all about the kids. Rodrigo, uh, Vinicius, tremendous goal cutting across. Mm. So much maturity and intelligence about it. This is not, oh, athletic Vinicius. This was smart Vinicius with yeah, that goal. Yeah. Chouameni was, was tremendous. Kamavinga yeah. did his job. They need to wean themselves off the old guys, including Benzema, who has been quiet. Yeah. Um, by the way, Carlo... Carlo came out and he says, oh, do we need a replacement for Benzema? We've got lots of replacements. Mariano, 
Hazard, Rodrigo, Asensio. If you look closely, his nose gets a yeah, little bit yeah, longer when he says that. Yeah, of course. Tottenham stay one point off the top of the league with a 2-1 victory over Fulham as Richard Lisson gets his first start. Jules, he looked good. Yeah, he looked good. He looked uh, so far. He came on as a, as a super sub almost, and always was up front with Kane. This time he played behind Kane with Son, and I thought he was he was really lively on that sort of right hand side, created chances on the Oyberg goal, for example. It's him. I mean, he scored that goal and then threw the shirt off. I think got booked. And then it was booked. disallowed. <laughs> yeah, then he got disallowed. Uh, or the the yellow card is staying, or oh, of course. So that's 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 a bad one. But apart from that, it looked good. I don't know if. I think Kuluzewski brings something, they're different players, but brings something yeah. that... But he has those options. Like. But he's got those options, which he didn't have last season, for example. Chelsea also had a, a derby and they beat West Ham 2-1, but this wasn't pretty to start with, not good at all from Chelsea. And there was a ton of controversy over Maxwell Corners, the Salah goal right at the end for West Ham. Yeah, so I was at this game. It was nasty. It was it was edgy. Um, I don't know that Chelsea managed a shot on target for like the first hour they of were the game. They were terrible. So feel that terrible. Way. I just didn't work this setup. You started Pulisic up front uh, with... Um, Sterling. With Sterling. Unsurprisingly, and you know, I told you so, things got better when Armando Broja, the big man, Ambrosia yeah. came on. And with Chilwell, why can't Chile play? Why you got to play this Cucurea? Enough of this. Because you paid 60 million. Come on, man. You paid a lot of money for Chile, too. Uh, but as for the incident, look, people have debated this end endlessly, right? Yeah. It's, it's Gerard Bowen jumping over Edouard Mendy, who parries the ball. There is contact there. He leaves his leg a little bit. Does he leave his leg? He is does. the ball's already gone. Referee doesn't call in real time. For me, the issue is... Is there enough there for you to say, oh, this was a foul? Um, mm. I, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't believe it should take, it, it should have gone there. The only explanation, I think, for referring this to, to VAR is if the referee says, oh, I didn't quite see what happened between Bowen and Mendy. If you're not yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. That's the, that, that, then, then I'm okay with it going to VAR. But this is why we need more transparency. We need to know these things. Yeah, exactly. If VAR just I gets involved why... because they want to re-referee his decision, then that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the Premier League are asking for answers, and I think they would, they would have some sort of investigation in it. Two big deadline day signings for Chelsea Jules, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Dennis Zakaria on loan. Your thoughts? Yeah, Aubameyang, we knew that was going to happen. We said it, him and Tuchel being uh, reunited. Uh, although people forget that he ended up I mean, pretty bad pretty with bad him going on strike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but let's see. I mean, he's got a broken jaw now after what happened in his half, so he's not going to be ready to play for a little bit. Zakaria, if he's the Zakaria who we know when he was really young, before even the last season at Gladbach, and then obviously the poor six months he had at Juventus, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think he can help them. Tuchel seems to think that he can play anywhere on the pitch, even as a goalkeeper. I'm not too convinced by that. But, but let's see. I think he deserves a chance uh, and and see see how he goes. I think it's pretty obvious that they feel that they need the defensive uh, yeah, midfielder because sure. N'Golo Conte is made of glass at this stage of his career yeah. and probably will be made of glass until after the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a loan, whatever. Yeah. Aubameyang committing money to this, I, I think this is nonsense. I think it's 33. nonsense. Waiting all summer. I don't see, you know, yeah, is he a forward? Is he a center forward? Does he fit? I, I don't see like, this at all. And no, no, no. I, I can see your point. Juventus get a point away at Fiorentina, who also missed a penalty with Luka Jovic. Gab, this was dreadful from Juve. They didn't have a shot on goal after the half hour. I don't want to pick on Max well, Allegri, should. but he leaves me no choice. Yeah. Where to begin with this? Uh, they didn't have a shot on goal after the half hour mark, as you pointed out, right? Um, Dusan Vlaovic starts on the bench, stays on the bench. 
But for me, oh, and uh, um, Fiorentina's wingers, who you know aren't Cafu and Roberto Carlos, they no. are Dodo and Cristiano Biraghi. Their average position was further up the pitch than uh, Juve's wingers, Di Maria and um, and uh, Kostic. Kostic. Di Maria substituted at halftime for who? For an attacking player, so we can go and win this game? Yeah. No, for Mattia De Ciglio, so we can preserve the one-one draw. What I, two other Allegri things I really didn't like, sending the wrong message. Mm. Late in the game, it's 1-1. And Allegri's kind of putting his arms, let's slow it down, let's slow it down, guys. You know, let's preserve this result. It's 1-1 against Fiorentina. Are you kidding me? I know. I mean, I, you're Juve. You can do this when you're winning. And you can win ugly. Which is what he does anyway, yeah? But, but yeah. And then the other thing. Champions League this week, right? Yeah. They're playing Paris Saint-Germain, right? The they, so they ask him, like, oh, did you rest Vlaovic with a view towards Paris Saint-Germain? He says, oh, no, 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 come on, let's be real. That's not the important game for us. The important game for us is going to be against Benfica. And I'm like, again, yes, Paris Saint-Germain are a better team than Juventus right now. But do you have to be so freaking defeatist to make it seem <laughs> like you're managing a third of surprised. a club and surprised. you're so negative? I mean, I, how do the players feel when they when they say that? Yeah. You know, players like Bonucci, like Di Maria, players who want everything in sight, like Vlaovic. Like, why am I here? I know. I should have gone to West Ham. I, know. Just, I did not like this. I know. Smooth sailing for Paris Saint Germain away to Nantes, Jules, and Neymar gets yes. the day off, or at least the first hour off. Yeah, he came on then for Kylian Mbappé uh, when PSG were already in control, although they. They didn't play so well in the first half hour, really. But then after that, it got better. None got a red, a red card. The best moment was maybe the uh, the little um, the sign in the stand of that little boy say, asking Kylian Mbappé for his shirt. So the sign said, can I have your shirt, Kylian, please? Or oh, I'll, I'll cast a spell on you. Who's Paul Pogba's nephew, right? <laughs> hashtag witchcraft. <laughs> Napoli are joined up with Milan as they win away to Lazio 2-1. And Gvaraskelia puts on another show, what a goal that was as well. But Gav, Maestro Sarri is grumpy and he could be in trouble as well. Yeah, I wanted to go and, you know, yeah. engage in more Gvaramania and talk about Victor Seaman and how good he was and going away. But instead, Maestro Sarri is forcing me to talk about him. <laughs> I really like what he tries to do on a pitch in terms of football. But then sometimes, you know, you get like those like 404 system error. Yeah. Like, and he starts spouting nonsense. So after the game, he was just unhappy because there was a Mario Rui on uh, uh, on Zakani and elbow. Maybe he was right, maybe he was wrong. But he comes out and he starts saying, well, either the refs are incompetent or they're in bad faith. And then he says, somebody came up to me in the player's tunnel and said, and said to me, we're going to make Lazio pay in this game. You just, you watch, right? And he's talking about the referees. And I'm like, first of all, name he's names. Mad. Who was it? Who's in the player's tunnel? There's cameras, right? Yeah, yeah. So some shadowy figure. I want to say, Mario, <laughs> is it somebody that only you could see? In his head. That was all in his head. He's going he's gonna to get, there's going to be an investigation. You cannot say stuff like this unless you're prepared yeah. to face the consequences. And by the way, this isn't the reason you lost. Yeah, that's that's very true. Joint leaders in the Bundesliga, two duels. Borussia Dortmund, who won on Friday night. Yeah. And Freiburg, the Christian strike empire. I think it might oh. be the first time ever. They notched a huge away win at Bayer Leverkusen, sadly, and our friend Rico, Rico Suave. So not so suave for Rico anymore. And then they, we've been saying all through the season so far, they concede too many goals by Leverkusen and, and Freiburg. And the, the Christian strike miracle continues after the season they had last year, the new stadium. Now this is happening. I don't know how long it will last, but amazing for them. Well done. And Dortmund, Marco Rose with a with a nice goal, well taken. Although I'm not really sure that 
the ball from Brandt was for him. But anyway, they scored it. Even if they look a little bit shaky still at the back, it's a good win. And, you know, early October would be the classica. And if they're still in that position, then it could be interesting. It's funny, all those people who are against 50 plus one and whatever, they point out, they look at, ooh, they're asking questions like, oh, is it good to have Freiburg top of the table given it's a tiny club and given it is possibly the most... I don't want to say the most no. because Bruce or Freddie's going to jump to the glass. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. about Union Berlin? Uh, what about San Pauli? <laughs> but Freiburg is one of the most sort of fan-oriented yeah. clubs. No outside investment. Blah blah blah. You know, we're here for the fans, not not for the not to win trophy. Mm. You know, I they want to win. But um, I think it's fantastic. It's I think it also shows you story. The difference mm. in salaries is never the difference in ability. Never. No. That's just the reality of football. Today. That's very true. Ivan Tony gets a hat-trick as Brentford beat Leeds 5-2. But Gab, Jesse Marsh gets sent off. Not for the first time he's lost his cool on the touchline. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, props to Ivan Tony. Um, yeah. I think he's got a real shot of going to the He should have a real shot he of going to the, to the World Cup. I think he's competing with Tammy Abraham now for, to be like the anti-Harry uh, King or the yeah, yeah. alternative Harry Number King. Two, yeah. Jesse Marsh... <laughs> Okay, part of me wants to make fun of him because he went to Princeton. I then part of me slightly feels for him. Yeah, I did. As because well. you see what happens, right? There's the penalty incident. I don't know what he said to the referee. You know, Robert Jones is, I'd say I'm familiar with Mr. Jones' work. It sounds like a made-up name. Maybe it was actually Lee Mason dressed like Robert Jones yeah, maybe under, with the, under a yeah. fake name. Um, you know, the penalty was it was Aaron Hickey on, on Somerville. Whatever he's at, he's you can see he's yeah, pointed yeah, at VR. Go to the VR, watch it again, watch it again. Uh, unless he said something that he shouldn't have said, which we don't know. Yeah, I don't see that it's necessary to send him off. I really don't see. And again, and I wish I knew what did he say. I, I wish the referees would come out and say, Yeah, look, you know, he called me corrupt. He said whatever. If he's just sitting there, and I, and I think he's smarter than that. And it's not the mm. first time he's gotten wound up no, on the sidelines. Yeah. I if if he just said, look, look at it again, why don't you look at it again? Blah, 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 VAR, do something, because he's desperate. I can live with that. I, I want to know what he said. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. I agree with you. How about some love for Olympic Marseille? They beat Auxerre in their joint top alongside PSG. Huh? How about some love for you for Mr. Tudor? Yeah, Tudor. And he rotated the team uh, to rest some players like Alexis Sanchez, for example, who, by the way, would be suspended for the, the Spurs game in the Champions League on Wednesday because of the red card that he got with Inter <laughs> sorry, uh, last season. Sorry, wait, so he's resting him when he knows he's suspended in the next game? Well, I think because no, not so much for the next <laughs> game, but because he's played a lot since arriving with not much training. But I mean... <laughs> Alexis was on the bench. Other were rested, I think, before before the game against uh, Spurs. But it's good they don't concede. It, there was a lot of intensity, I thought, from from Marseille, and it was easy when they scored early with Gerson, then they scored late with Alexis after he came on. But yeah, this is good. It's, it's taking shape. I think that's what it wants. And a bit like what Tenag is doing at, at United, there's more of a team spirit. There's more there's more cohesion in the team right now. Whoever plays, which I think Tudor would be very happy with. Are the, have the fans come around? Because a lot of times as a fan, right, you're, you're sitting there and you're saying, what you don't want to see is players who make a lot of money and who aren't playing with intensity or whatever. If you play for a Tudor team, we saw it at Verona, yeah. you have to go and run your backside into the ground. Like there's no yeah. ifs, ands, or buts, right? Yeah, yeah. Are they appreciating that? Or do they yeah, still no, not think, like Tudor? Because I think he's still a bit 
mixed. But yeah, I think it's still a bit mixed. Mm. But they, yeah, they. I think they will come around if things continue like this. They will come around. But the, the Champions League match is is huge. It finishes one one between Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid. My boy Mohamed Ali Cho shows he belongs, Gab, doesn't he? I remember when we spoke about him on the show. Now he signed for Real Sociedad, yeah. and I remember I asked you like, is he? Is he part Asian? Cho? I don't know. Is that, is that a Korean or Chinese yeah, yeah. name? Uh, then he's got the Muhammad Ali part. Then you hear him talk and he sounds like, you know, he's very much a Londoner. Yeah, yeah. He partly well, yeah, grew up here. Of course, here. he grew up here, yeah. He's eligible for, what, France, I've, England, I think Morocco and somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was, he's, the guy's electric. You only need team. Yeah, it was fantastic. So they got the equalizer when, when Umar Sadiq, um, came, of course, signed uh, to replace on the, Alexander Isak. Yeah, on deadline there. Um, that said, I thought Atletico played better. I thought they got the bulk of the chances. Um, and, you know, if you're, I, we want to see Atletico play better, right? Yeah, exactly. That and that's what they the did. Best, that was the best performance they had probably. Probably the best season. performance yeah. this season. But speaking of Atleti, Antoine Griezmann came on in the last half hour for the fourth <laughs> consecutive game. He hasn't started a game yet. Nope. He always comes in minute 60, 61, 62, 64. Some folks don't believe this is a coincidence, Jules. No, because it's not. Uh, <laughs> this is the reality, which I'll get to the reality after, but just to explain it again. Uh, He's on loan still from Barcelona for the second season in a row to Atleti. If he plays more than 50% of the matches this season, then Atletico will automatically have to trigger the option to buy him for 40 million euros. They don't want to spend 40 million euros on him. They said they don't have that money. So they will make sure that he plays less than 50% of the minutes so they don't have to pay the 40 million buyout clause, if you want. Now to my point that this is the reality. And I don't think... You, you might remember a case where we had like this. We had cases towards the end of the season of if, if a player played 17 or 18 or 19 matches, then you'll have to buy him. So right. he was froze out for those last few games. But I never saw a player where you had to control his minutes from the first day of the season until the last because you don't want to buy him at the end of the season. This is, this is dreadful for Griezmann. It's dreadful for France and for Deschamps to have one of his key players and one of the best players in the world. Well, he's going to be well-rested. So what are you complaining about? He's but, still training. He's still playing a little bit. Baby, he might be rested, but he be short of match fitness completely. He won't be able to play 90 minutes in a World Cup match if he only plays 25 minutes you know, every three days for Atletico Madrid. This is ridiculous. And he might start some games, but which means that if he plays once 90 minutes, he won't be able to play at all the next game. Or again, only 15 minutes. I, th I find this situation really, really laughable and ridiculous. You know who probably doesn't like this either? Barcelona. Because well, then yeah. Griezmann goes back the other way. That 40 million never materializes. I don't know what lever is going to push at that point. Or they agree to sell him to Atletico, which I think that's what Atleti want for but 20 or 15. Yeah, and then he has to, but he's got an enormous salary too. True. So then, you know, I, I don't it's, know. It's a situation that I've never seen before, unprecedented, that should never happen and be like this. I, but I feel for him. I don't you know, know who I blame. For them, but. And I believe this was before Laporta, right? The deal. Yeah. What a stupid deal to Complete. set it up this way. Yeah. I mean, not smart. Make no sense. Roma had a chance to go top of Serie A on Sunday night away to Udinese. It didn't quite work out well for Jose Mourinho. And they got beaten 4-0. Four. So yeah. many mistakes from Carl's drop to Rui Patricio. This is terrible. Wow. Gareth Southgate was there to, to watch Tammy Abraham and Chris Smalling. Yeah. Um, not the great night for him there. Mourinho coming out afterwards, hey on chin, saying, you know, 
we were bad. We were really bad. Mm. Uh, Karsdorp set up with, obviously, you know, <laughs> you do the little sort of chest step back to the goalkeeper. Yeah, but, hey, how about hey. you make sure nobody's there behind <laughs> you when you do that? Um, Especially not Destiny. Yeah, you know. Destiny Udogi was a serious player. Yeah. Uh, Udinese hitting them on the counter. And that midfield, Matic and Cristante, you know, Matic doesn't run much. And I'm sorry, Jose, you Come signed move. Matic. You knew that, right? Cristante can do, can run around a little bit, yeah. but not that much. Yeah, when on yeah. top of that, you know, you want to get back into the game. So then you take off Cristante and you put on, you move Pellegrini back, who's much more of a natural attacking mm. player. You get overrun further. So I can give Mourinho credit for trying to go and win the game at 1-0 yeah. rather than settling for a drop. But still, not good. And, and they would have been no, tough. Right. Yeah. When he's not pretending to buy Manchester United, Sir Jim Ratcliffe owns Nice. It's his day job where yeah. he has assembled a posse of... I'm sorry? He can't forget it because sometimes I think that he forgets a little bit that he's got <laughs> yeah, he owns Nice. But maybe to help him remember, he's assembled a whole posse of ex-Premier League players. After Nicolas Pepe, Aaron Ramsey and Casper Schmeichel, Here's Ross Barkley, which is still not enough to beat Monaco. It's not enough, and they were not very good. And I've said so many times on the show before, I don't believe what Favre is doing. I don't understand what they're doing. I can't read the project. I can't read anything. And now, Ross Barkley? I mean, come on, what's next? Jack Rodwell or like <laughs> Emmanuel Adebayor? I mean, come on, what is going on here? Are you kidding me? And they introduced him like if he was Diego Maradona. Yeah, hello, this is Ross Barkley, a new signing. I was like... Come on, I don't understand. Well, I know Ian Moody is now in charge of the transfers, so he's naturally, obviously, looking at the English market because he's English and that's where his contacts are. But this is, I'm sorry, I love Aaron Ramsey and Nicola Pepe and they're my boys, but I don't really understand where this makes sense. And then Ross Barkley, I think this is the last, the final straw. Is that what you say in English? Yeah. Like the, I mean, really, Ross well, Barkley, I, I mean... It's, it's low risk, right? Chelsea paid him a whole bunch of money to rip up his contract yeah. and go away, right? So presumably, I don't know if Barkley's there on like a, you know, where he gets paid by appearance. Presumably, he's not making a lot he of money. He hasn't played football in like, what, four years or something crazy? He played a tiny bit last season, ah. maybe in the League Cup. Um, and by the way, on, on the Monaco end, uh, Wissam Ben Yedder, a bit of an incident there, no? So, so strange. So that. he's on the bench. He's not happy, clearly. Um, he he has he has a bib on, but he's showing his hands, and then we think he's going to come on, but then he seems to be dropping his shirt, leaving it on the bench, then leaves the bench to go back to the dressing room, and then comes back out after that to to come back and sit on the bench. So we think like there must have been an argument. Apparently, he had a stomach bug, had to go to the toilet. That's what Philippe Clement. <laughs> <laughs> naturally said after the game on French television says Stomach no he went to the loo when you're sliding into first and you think yeah, you're I, I don't know and then he came back so apparently no no incident although Dizazi said that he was frustrated not to start the game to be on the bench so maybe he had a stomach back back and he wasn't happy I, uh, I don't know. Maybe the unhappy. It looks weird. The stomach, but the stomach maybe part. as well. Maybe as well. No, a good weekend for Premier League referees. Gab, we mentioned it a little bit already, but the PGMOL is investigating two decisions. The one, the Bowen-Mendy incident in Chelsea-West Ham that we mentioned already, and the other one that might be even worse, the one at Crystal Newcastle-Crystal Palace. The other one is worse, uh, basically. Newcastle scoring against Palace. Joe Willock runs into Vicente Guaita, but you can tell, you don't even need VAR to know that he runs into him because Tyreek Mitchell pushes him, him, I mean, him, pushes so him like, into his own goalkeeper. Um, referee allows it to stand. Oh, but here comes experienced referee who for some reason, you know, when these guys retire, semi-retire, let's go and put them up in the VAR room. Lee Mason. By the way, I, <laughs> Why? I, for some what, reason, he's short on money? More like what? Just 
I don't know, but he wasn't a good referee when he no. was officiating. And he's a worse VAR. But and why? Why you? If you retire, you retire full stop. You can't just like do VAR because you don't know what you do on the Sunday I afternoon. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't good. He wasn't fit enough to run around, and maybe. They, but but this is just such a bad decision. It's such an obviously bad. Decision. You know what's most disappointing to me is that okay, if you're Lee Mason, you might say, "Hey, guy, referee, or whoever it was in this game, I, I forget. Yeah. Take another look at it, right?" Okay, fine. You take another look at it. I expect the referee on the pitch to have the guts to say, yeah, look, I took another look at it. And I'm like, guess what? Nothing's changed. I can see what like I saw Michael before. Oliver did. I can see Tyreek Mitchell. Yeah, like, my, like Michael Oliver did. Yeah. He said, oh, he's an experienced referee. I'm sorry, you got to the Premier League. He's not an experienced referee. This guy's probably refereed 400 games or, or whatever at this point. You know, he's moved up there. And again, I'm sorry I'm blanking on this dude's name. I expect you to stand up and, like, I, I, and, and say, like, I'm going to call it the way I call it. Yeah. And, um, and it's such an obvious decision. I don't know what the PGML is going to do this now. Wonder, what if Newcastle get, like, you know, they, they get a little bit litigious late in the season, this cost them or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not a good – you guys, yeah. referees on the pitch, you're still referees. Take your lead from Michael Oliver. And people here like, oh, finally somebody's not – somebody's uh, stuck to his guns. It happens in other countries. Yeah. It's been normal. You know, you know where this culture came in. Remember when they first introduced VAR in this country? They, they wanted they to be different. Really? Oh, we're yeah. going to be different. Like we're not going to have on-field reviews. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, they moved away from that, but that culture is still there. Yeah. It was not a good day for uh, Leipzig. They were stuffed four 0 by Eintracht wow. Frankfurt. Jules, I mean, I've rarely seen a team being outsmarted tactically so much and having nothing to react like Tedesco and Leipzig in that game. I thought Frankfurt played so, so well to exploit, you know, the 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 the, the, frag the fragilities, I guess, defensively from Leipzig, playing between the lines, finding all that little space everywhere and then attacking that space. It was, Frankfurt was so good. I don't think Frankfurt can play like that every single weekend. Again, because I think Leipzig played into their hands, but it was a fantastic win from them. Is Amazing, it, especially just before the Champions League. It's a big boost for confidence and everything. They were a mess at the back. Orban, I'm not sure if it was Willy Orban or if it was a Hungarian prime minister filling in for the game, I mean, given know, the level Terrible. of play. Back to Newcastle, Gab, where Eddie Howe complained that nobody did his club any favours in the transfer window, asking for a lot of money. Welcome to the real world. Like, what did you expect? I, I did not understand what he meant. Um, and then so I watched it again and he says like, oh, you know, nobody did us any favors. They always, they inflate the prices when we negotiate with them. I mean, first of all, uh, unless you've been living in a box, which I know Eddie Howe, I know he may look like it sometimes, but you know, I know Eddie Howe lives in the real world. He doesn't go and like shut himself into a closet, you know, when he's not yeah. working. Um, Look at Newcastle. Oh, sorry, look at United. Look at how much money they uh, have to spend for players. Sancho. Forest as well. Yeah. Everybody. So people know you have a lot of money and they negotiate hard. You know what? Um, that's just how it works. It was such yeah. an odd thing to say. Very strange. It's also odd. You know you're not going to get sympathy. Nobody's going to give you sympathy for this. What, are we going to have a go at Real Sociedad for, for charging you too much money for ESAC? I mean, what? Like, uh, I don't. It, it was such a, such a strange thing to say. <laughs> Speaking of strange, Maurito Icardi posted pictures of himself in Miami. I'm sure you follow him on Instagram. We all do. Yeah. Not a great look when your team is playing in Nantes. Um, I'm assuming Paris Saint-Germain don't care where he goes, but at some point they have to care, right? Yeah, although the Turkish market, as you know, is still open and they, they 
they believe or they're optimistic in the sense that they found already an agreement with Galatasaray and Fenerbahce. Now I think he's done well, to both teams. For PSG point of view, yeah, then I think he's done tomorrow and Wanda to decide where they want to go, if that's what they want to do. Or he can continue being not a football player, but a stay out dad, like I always say, and go every weekend on holidays because one weekend is at Ibiza because he's not in the match day squads. And I guess doesn't think like, hey, maybe wait, I should wait, go wait, training. Is he still training with the team fitness? and does he just go to... He trains he just... on his own with, the, with the, either the youngsters or a group that Cartier and the club that don't want there. Like who? Who's there? So Rafinha was there before he moved he to just moved, yeah. Saudi Arabia uh, or, or Qatar, whatever. Uh, Herrera was there. We mentioned it before, you know, those players that he didn't want. Yeah. And so, but they find an exit door for all of them. Mauro is still there and, you know, he thinks, hey, <laughs> let's fly to Miami this weekend to go on a boat with all our friends. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous, man. Why doesn't he, why doesn't he go and give uh, David Beckham a call? Maybe, maybe there's some yeah. interim at Inter-Miami, you know? <sighs> What a disaster that has been. Gab, a big deal has been made about the record spending of Premier League clubs. Of course, in this summer transfer window, we reached the 1.9 billion pounds or 2.3 billion euros. But you've got a column saying that that number is irrelevant. The number is so stupid. It's beyond irrelevant. And I don't you understand. Net, net spending that counts. Net spend. Don't talk about spend, fella. Talk about net spend. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't understand. What, what is so difficult to understand uh, about this? If, if I sell you my bicycle for uh, 50 pounds and you sell me your scooter for 50 pounds, oh, look, we both spent 50 pounds, but we haven't exchanged any money. This is so dumb. Yeah. And I, I am appalled how many of our colleagues in the media, and you know why this is. This is because somebody put out, I think it was Deloitte, put out a press release saying, like, oh, look, they beat their spending record from 2017 or whenever it was. And so obviously everybody's like, oh, let's not look at numbers. Let's just go with a stupid figure. You want the real figures? You want the figure that matters? Yes. Because the figures that matter underscore even more, more the financial right. dominance yeah. of the Premier League. Yeah. The net spend, I have these numbers in euros because the Premier League mostly buys players from abroad. And so most of those are in euros, right? Premier League's net spend, they spent 1 billion 352 million uh, euros, right? 1.352 yeah. billion, yeah. okay? That is how much they spent. Of the other supposed big five leagues, yeah. only two of them actually had a net spend. La Liga spending 52.4 million, which... Million. that is million. That's million, yeah. yeah. And by the way, this is driven entirely by, 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 by Laporte's by levers, levers, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and Serie A spending 3.9 million as a league. The Bundesliga and Ligan both had positive net spend, which meant they took in more money than they spent. I mean, what we have right now is a situation where the Premier League is basically subsidizing the other leagues in Europe. Yeah, it backwards um, them. This is just the reality yeah. of the situation. It has implications, there's reasons for it. You can read my column to, to see what I think about it. But please, please, enough with the stupid Grow spend. Yeah. Because it's so dumb. Yeah. Sorry. Rant over. <laughs> Massive blow for Wolves who lose new signing Sasa Kalachik to an ACL injury. I feel really, yeah, really bad for him. So, yeah. It's really unfortunate. So, so they're giving a trial what? to Diego Costa, who turns 34 next month oh and hasn't actually played since 2021. I mean, I'm surprised that Nice are not going for Diego Costa. But now <laughs> that he's in Wolverhampton, I mean, come on. I want to see him. 
Wait. In the Premier League, but you know why? Because no, I, think, I want to see him in Nice. If you're Diego Costa, I'm sorry, with all due respect to Wolverhampton, would you rather live in Wolverhampton or would you rather live on the Cote d'Azur where yeah, you can hang out with it. Ross Barkley? For Come sure, on. for sure. But I want to see him back in the Premier League because I think that a player like him, when you're 34 and you've lost, I mean, you've never been very good technically anyway, but you've lost that. I think you're going to be even nastier than before, even more totally. aggressive, even more like, and I just want to see that. I want to see him going to like <laughs> big teams and big stadiums and just going like in their face all the time and everything. And you know what? He's somebody who I actually think for, for, for the limited things that he, that he does at this stage of his career, it was never about athleticism with him, right? Yeah. He was always just like the strong guy yeah. who somehow, you know, he has kind of like that old man Would strength and like that sort of competitiveness pace. I remember Chelsea telling me that like, you know, every time when he was there, right, when, when they do sprints, he'd normally, you know, he'd always finish with the goalkeepers. But then during games when they actually timed him, you know, I, he wasn't Mbappe, but he wasn't that yeah, slow he either. Pretty, he could yeah, get yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just the kind of guy he yeah, is. Exactly. So I just hope Kalajic comes back and Jimenez stays, stays fit. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Marcelo has a new club. He's joining Olympiacos in Greece. Gab, we know you're a big fan. I'm a big fan of Marcelo, not Olympiacos. And nothing against Olympiacos. But I'm a huge fan of Marcelo. Unfortunately, he's not going to get a chance to win his 23rd Champions League this year, or however no. many he has, because <laughs> Olympiacos are playing in the Europa League. But he might win. He might win the league, the Greek league, which adds to another trophy. He's on like what, like 29 or 30. He might win the Europa League. Why not? Or the Europa League. Um, I think it's good if you're talking about having a guy who can give you a lot of edge. I honestly don't know. I will research, tell you if Olympiacos play a back three or a back four. I hope they don't play a back four. I, I think really... they do play a back four. <laughs> yeah, you might want to revise that a little bit, <laughs> at least against certain opponents. But no, he's got so much quality and yeah. and, and he's he's a winner and he's so much positivity. And that smile, that Marcelo smile with a yes, head. Yes, oh, of course. Him. Touching story from Exeter involving Jay Stansfield, of course, who's uh, the, the, the Fulham uh, forward. He joins them on loan and he's going to wear his dad, Adam's retired number nine shirt. Yeah, that's right. Adam, who, who passed away a few years ago from, from cancer when he was only 31 and they decided at the time to retire the shirt that no one would ever wear it again. And when his son, uh, Jay, arrived on loan from Fulham, it was just this incredible story. So, so moving. Yeah. And emotionally charged, really, that his son then can wear the, the shirt that his dad wore all those years ago. It's an amazing story, really amazing story. You finished nil-nil in the FA Cup first qualifying round between Blackfield and Langley and Shepton Mallets. Yeah, those clubs really exist. But yeah, that's not what we're talking about this game, right? Yes, that's right. By the way, people who are unfamiliar with the lower leagues, like Blackfield, you might wonder, wait, was it a three-way game between Blackfield, Langley, and Shepton Mallet? Uh, no, Blackfield and Langley, that's actually the name of one yep. club. Shepton Mallet's another club. Uh, yeah, this was odd. Uh, and remember, this is one of the great things of the FA Cup. Right? This is the same competition where the finals at Wembley and you'll probably see Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea and clubs like that. But it starts at the very bottom. Yeah. And uh, the, the goalkeeper for Blackfield and uh, Langley, Connor Maseko, um, 15 minutes ago, he realizes, ooh, I got to pee. And because at this level, they don't have like sort of very sophisticated stadium, <laughs> the ball goes out of play, goes into these bushes behind the goal. He goes behind the ball, ball goes behind the goal, and he decides to have a quick whiz. And, okay. uh, and so for that, referee sent him <laughs> off because you can't leave the field of, of play for that long without without permission. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, finish nil-nil. There's going to be a replay. Of course. <laughs> right, Jules, that brings us to an end. Wow. But guess what? What time is it? It's Champions! Champions! Unbelievable. <laughs>
coming up this week. So we got to come back on Thursday. Do this all over again. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 